I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and in this episode, I'm joined by Gary Vollmer, Product and Technical Manager for Selecta One. Selecta's portfolio includes many best-in-class products, but for this episode, we're focusing on poinsettias. Gary's the keeper of tons of knowledge when it comes to poinsettias, with decades of production experience, product trialing and selection, and deep insight into current and future breeding. He has his finger on the pulse of the North American market as well as European trends that drive holiday crop sales. He's worked with growers selling discounted Black Friday poinsettias, specialty growers filling market niches with unique, super high-end plants, and every type of production scenario in between. And he is not afraid to address the hot issues. You're going to want to listen all the way to the end of this one. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four messages lining up to support one key industry topic. This time, we're talking retail trends. The IGC show wrapped up at Navy Pier in fall of 2018. Garden Center attendees were optimistic and on the lookout for new innovations to appeal to a new and emerging group of customers. Here are four trends I spotted on the floor, and when possible, how they relate to the products you grow and sell. First, seasonal products. There's a lot of fall harvest decor and Halloween-themed items and tons of Christmas and holiday items. The trends seem to settle on rustic Christmas and super bright LED-lit decorations. Large-scale ghosts and goblins also reflected the continuing trend of Halloween decorating that now starts as early as mid-September, I've been told. With more people coming into garden centers on the lookout for decorations, be sure to stock your own retail or wholesale customers with plenty of plant options as well. Now's the time to introduce shoulder season products. More options, but fewer of each to create some uniqueness in different sizes and profiles of holiday crops like poinsettias. Next, lightweight earth tone pottery. It seemed like all of the pottery companies had lines of muted colors and interesting textures this year. For the past decade, pottery was dominated by bright neon colors, and now there are greens, browns, and grays available. Many have finishes and washes that will definitely appeal to today's shopper. When you choose the colors of your plants, keep this in mind, and perhaps consult some of your more fashionable team members to help select the best plants to fit this pottery trend. Next, sustainable soil and plant food. Five or ten years ago, there were a few options, and now there seem to be endless suppliers for safer and natural fertilizers, soils, and amendments. Retailers see more demand, and the market is responding. With upscale packaging and clear, sustainable messaging, vendors are rising to the challenge to supply appealing product lines. If you use sustainable growing practices, call this out and ask your retail customers to pass the word along. Remind home gardeners that they are making a better choice when using your plants. The last chip in our game of Retail Trend Connect 4 is lighting and indoor growing. A few years ago, indoor growing systems looked a lot like scaled-down commercial systems and not very decorative. Now the systems seem much more well-designed and appropriate for modern homes. Lighting technology has drastically improved, like we heard in our recent podcast with Jason from Philips, and more consumer product developers have moved into the space. Today's systems look cool and would not seem out of place in a modern home setting. There were far more trends, and I actually wrote about many of them in a recent article for Greenhouse Grower. I'll put a link in the show notes. But now, let's talk poinsettias. 
it's my pleasure to welcome Gary Ballmer to STEM. Gary was educated at NC State University with BS degrees in horticulture and integrated pest management. He worked for 32 years in growing and production capacities, including grower at Natural Beauty in Apopka, Florida, production manager, head grower at Four Star Greenhouses in Carleton, Michigan, and head grower, production manager at Smith Gardens in Bellingham, Washington. Following those three production roles, Gary worked for three years as a ball seed representative in Washington State. Then, in 2010, Gary became a product and technical manager for Select in North America, with responsibilities including technical support for growers on all ball floor plant and Selecta crops. He's also responsible for working with breeding to develop all future Selecta crops for North America, including poinsettias. So it's clear that Gary has the production background required to assess and optimize production capabilities and add tons of value to STEM. But what I like most about Gary is his somewhat unique ability to weave past observations into current solutions using a mix of storytelling and technical knowledge sharing. I think you'll appreciate this discussion, which is equal parts history lesson, poinsettia selection development, and hardcore production tips and tricks. We cover a lot in a short period of time this episode because we stayed focused on one crop, poinsettias. Gary, welcome to STEM. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. So we're talking poinsettias today. I know that there are a lot of dollars and units uh, involved in poinsettia production and sales and, and maybe not a lot of fun and games when it comes to growing the crop. But let's start with a fun question. What is your absolute favorite poinsettia variety and why? And, you know, feel free to go old school. I know you've seen and grown a lot of them in your career. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, play historically, yeah, like coming on the uh, the advent of the modern branching poinsettia with the Higgs, that was groundbreaking. It was very much groundbreaking in the fact that we actually had branching characteristics in poinsettia. But if you really want to talk about the best varieties right now, I'd have to say Christmas Beauty is, is uh, I consider uh, from so many aspects, uh, uh, presentation, look, color of the, the, the quality of the color, the red, that, that it makes uh, it makes beautiful uh, uh, novelty varieties and that its uh, growing ability and post-harvest uh, post are, are superior. So I have to say Christmas Beauty my best variety out there, but I'd have to say the Hegs were the breakthrough, getting branching in poinsettias. And what year, just to kind of give a perspective, you want to talk a little bit about the history of professional poinsettia growing kind of in the modern era, or how is how have things evolved and perhaps touch on some of the market shifts? But I'm, I'm kind of interested in the history, and I know the listeners love a little history lesson. Well, you know, I started playing with these, uh, uh, the little growing experience, working uh, uh, part-time at a greenhouse in high school and did a little bit, especially cut flowers, but we did some poinsettias for fun, but I learned some of the techniques. And at that point, there was, we were using multi-stems. Everything was a standard, uh, you know, three stems and a six inch, and you'd have three big bracts, and then you'd have some under bracts underneath it. But it was all built around an unpinched poinsettia. And we didn't have a lot of growth regulators to work with back then. So um, a lot of it was just uh, timing and, and, and letting them do their thing. But then uh, um, I'm not sure exactly the dates. It kind of came into my uh, world post-college in the uh, in the 80s with the Hegs. Um, and, the, and the fact that now my you know what I'd learned as a discipline of a straight up now became a discipline of a pinched plant. And, it, and that just changed everything completely how you schedule how you produce it and it was really ecky that, that that brought that 
that evolution to uh, commercial production. And, and I would say that probably maybe late 70s, early 80s was when, when the world kind of really changed to a pitched plant. Oh, that's fascinating. And I know that, you know, there have been a lot of changes since then as well when it comes to the breeding. And part of that is probably driven by by retail. Um, how, how is retail, you know, whether it's independent market or mass market, how has that changed the breeding and production of poinsettias, you know, since that, you know, since that time period in the in the 80s? Well, you know, probably the one of the biggest changes overall would be the window with which we sell poinsettias. As we've seen with uh, retailers take uh, advantage of any holiday, they want to try to drive the retail uh, positioning of that holiday as early as possible. So traditionally, poinsettias were December products. Uh, Now, I would say the lion's share of poinsettia sales are are the last week of November or right around Thanksgiving uh, up to the 1st of November. And that's really an event of, of, of mass market. Um, the, the, the advent of the poinsettia as a Black Friday promotional item has shifted the, the scheduling early. It's also shifted the, the color to very, very heavy red, as these promo poinsettias are almost exclusively red. Also, the, the retail warehouses like uh, Sam's Club and Costco have come to market with this large, this, this 24-inch-plus tall poinsettia, pinched uh, multi-stem poinsettia. Um, and, and that, again, has shifted us to red, shifted us. Uh, uh, most of them are sold in November, so shifted the need for earlier genetics. And also in that case, unlike the promotional varieties, shifted the need for more vigorous varieties that can perform uh, and size up nicely in these bigger containers. So, yeah, I would say it's gotten redder and gotten earlier, um, gotten smaller with the promos and bigger with Costco. So a lot of changes have come from the marketplace and the breeders have, you know, brought products to meet the market needs. I think that's fascinating that, that we're seeing changes on the on the early and smaller end as well as on, on that large um, vigorous type, because I know there's you know, there's customers out there and there's consumers out there for each size. So is it so I guess. We talk a little bit, of, you know, you talked about it's getting redder, um, getting earlier. Is there still a market for the niche varieties? I, I see them, you know, frequently when I travel, certainly at the, at the smaller garden centers. But is there a market for these niches? And, and are there a few kind of cool options that are coming to market that, that help stand apart from the crowd? No, absolutely, yes. There is, there is a market. And what we, what we find is, is that, you know, in units, we sell red but we like to promote the colors. We like to use the colors to get decorating messages out there. So yes, the, the, you know, the evolution of the traditional poinsettia bread novelty, different forms, marbles, up, uh, you know, and then jingle types and, and then beyond um, that, that have come, come to the market in a traditional poinsettia have certainly created interest on their own rights. As we, what we have seen though, is we've seen that cannibalize traditional colors. We see pink numbers going down in lieu of other more interesting novelties. The other the other factor that's come in is the interspecifics of the Prinsettia types. Those types have come into the market and, and are starting to create their own niche as, as a different product. And I think led by the fact that in these interspecifics, the whites are actually white. And, uh, and the pinks are very, very vivid. So it's a non-red pro- product that, that has kind of developed its own little niche in the market as well as novelties. But again, you can still, 
the they are drawing attention. They are bringing. Uh, they're on flyers. They are on covers of, of our British catalogs, etc. But we still sell the lion's share of red. Okay, so red dominates. I know there's been a lot of new breeding. What what do breeders look for when they introduce a new red? And then I guess you know from your expertise, what is the number two color out there? All right. Well, let's answer the second half first uh, because that's easier. Number two <laughs> color, without question, is white. Uh, white is, still is is very strong as a number two and its own right it's also the foundation for painting and painting has has been you know kind of up and down a little bit uh uh since it really kind of hit the market but there is a, a a consistent uh painted poinsettia market and that white uh that add that couple of percent that that might be um adds the power to the white number but white even on its own right is definitely the number two color behind red as far as what are breeders breeding for, it, it, it really, you know, uh, we breed for very specific targets. We breed for a sales window and a vigor point um, overall. But what we are also starting to breed for, and and uh, specific, particularly at Selective, but others are as well, I wouldn't necessarily breed for, but select for. We're selecting for regional performance. We want varieties that will perform very very well in some difficult markets and some of the difficult markets are, are, are in the deep deep south issues like heat delay and and uh, post and basically just holding power have been the uh, challenges in the deep deep south and then you also have far northern varieties uh, uh, you, uh canadian production um but again european breeding uh european selections work well in canada but don't necessarily work well in in the southern parts of the u.s uh so breeding and selection has evolved regionally and seasonally. Um, and then also is the, you know, certain plant characteristics, strong V stems, good post harvest, uh, good saturated non-fading red colors and good vivid novelty colors. Um, the breeding has come a very long, long, long way in the last decade. And I, I see it continuing to evolve at a very, very rapid pace. Yeah, that, that's, I, I like that we're, we continue to hear some of these repeated themes and episodes of STEM about, you know, we are a, an, an inter, a national and international industry with very regional performance differences. And, you know, I, did, I don't always think of that when it comes to poinsettias, but you made some really good points about differences in the deep south versus far north. And um, that's great that the breeding is, is really looking at that regional performance. So, I think it's, it's, a, it's a combination of Bill, it's a combination of breeding and also just trialing and selections. I mean, um, and then as you get refined at it, you begin to understand what blood, what breeding lines work well in different environments. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really, I think the regionality aspect of it is is will continue to be a very important part as we try to drive improved shelf life and consumer performance. It makes a lot of sense. Now, you had mentioned before we talked a little bit about the, the impact that retail has had on the poinsettia market in, um, over the past you know, 20 plus years. What do you see as the most popular sizes at retail? You mentioned some of the smaller, some of the larger at, at the wholesale clubs, but can you share your top picks for some of the most popular sizes and profiles that you see at retail? Well, clearly, I would say that the, the primary product in North America would be a six inch or six and a half inch in a pot cover in a sleeve at retail. That is is your 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 primary 
um, largest volume uh, point set of size. We see the promo work around that with five inch or, or quartz or things like that, but they're basically emulating a, a discounted uh, uh, value equation to that six inch. So I think the six inch is still six inch single stem pinched point set of five to six bracks is the standard, and it's a very it's a very standard product. Uh, four inch it maintains a market is solid. It's good. I think four inch numbers are going up as we see growth in the the uh, sort of Christmas or holiday dish garden with the poinsettia centric. Uh, that's a product that we see more of. Uh, saw that trend in Europe uh, uh, quite a while ago. Saw that trend really hit Canada, uh, particularly the Ontario market um, through Costco and other large retailers. Four or four, five years ago, and now we're seeing that spread into the U.S. I think that's healthy. It, 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 it's, it's a good uh, gives uh, for somebody that may not want to buy a traditional poinsettia can still buy a poinsettia in a in a, in a uh, dish garden. So that's driving some four inch sales. Um, eight inches, I think, steady but not growing. Uh, the eight inch three stem. Um, I believe that we've probably hit the peak of the big pots. The 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 the. The, the, or the, the warehouse retail footprint, um, it's, not, it's not particularly cost-effective for growers. It's not cost-effective to ship. And also, transportation is an issue. Getting it home for the consumer and finding a place in the home to put them uh, limits that, that niche. So but the other thing that's new to North America, just starting to gain ground, but I've watched this uh, um, over the last 10 years or so, really find a strong, strong niche in Europe, is the mini point setup. And that is uh, like a two and a half to three inch unpinched poinsettia. That uh, trend is continuing to, to grow. Uh, it's very cost effective for a grower to produce uh, short crop time, high density, good value on the truck, good value at, at, at retail. Um, so the, the, the money e- equation on the mini is very, very good. It's just getting the market used to it. And we're starting to see some retailers start to dabble with it in the programs. And once the retailers start positioning mini, I think that one will will grow. But I think it will always, the lead product will be that traditional six, six and a half inch, single stem pinched, five to six bloom. You know, we talk a lot in STEM about this, um, a new a new customer base that that's huge, this new generation of customers moving in, you know, coming into the stores and looking for a uh, different product than maybe their mom or grandma looked for in the past. And I think the minis really seem to fit that profile um, as well as as well as the large. I mean, I, I get your point that it sometimes it is hard to transport, certainly for the growers or, or hard to get home. But, man, they really do make an impact um, in the holidays around around your house. So. They do, and and it's it, that that is a very impulsy item, and and when you see that big huge show, um, yeah, the impulse purchase. I agree with you on the on the minis. I mean, uh, my daughter, seventeen years old now, through years of, of uh, a decade of having my own greenhouse business and her getting no interest in, in participating at all, she has discovered minis. Uh, started out with Delanzia, got into succulents, and now she's collecting mini flowering plants, uh, um, violets, et cetera. And uh, we will definitely have many poinsettias on her windowsill this year. That's cool. And you talked about dish gardens. I think that that is another really uh, key opportunity um, when you're talking about uh, sort of introducing this traditional holiday plant to a new audience. I think that, you know, I've seen dish gardens at, at just about every every kind of retailer you can imagine. You can put uh, poinsettias in, in a dish garden with other um, hot and trendy plants. So that that's one I think to certainly keep an eye on. And uh, if you're able to grow those and uh, supply them to your retail customers, I suspect that the interest will be high. 
Well, I can tell you, I, I've watched this evolution. And I've watched this these group of growers, uh, particularly in the Niagara area, um, just master these combinations using very nice components to go with the poinsettias and nice, you know, not not really high end, but uh, you know, good looking presentations, retail appropriate uh, price points. Um, you know, I, I really see that product looking really good and moving uh, fast through retail. And I agree. I, I don't know the demographic, but I got to believe that's uh, probably clicking a little bit better with the younger generation as well. For sure. And I think um, this is a perfect segue to my next question. I'm going to use the C word, but because I know whenever I talk about poinsettias with growers, it you know I, the word commodity creeps in. I don't like that word. I don't like to think of our products as commodities. I'm obviously a, a horde guy, and I and I love what we sell. But you know that that does come up when you talk poinsettias. So in your opinion, is it possible to break poinsettias out of this you know perceived commodity role and elevate them to a premium? We've talked about a couple different strategies that might work, but you know from a from a broader perspective, you want to spend a few minutes talking about that. Uh, the topic that always comes up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Bill. I mean, I can, you know, I've watched over my history in this business. Um, I watched the evolution really uh, with a retailer, a uh, large discount retailer uh, back in the, in the, in the mid eighties, changed the paradigm, uh, lowered the value, increased the volume, basically high volume, low costs, uh, not ideal, ideal product quality but volume at a low retail price point. And that began the concept of the promo, promo poinsettia and developed, I think, that mindset of the, its commodity. It became a price game, not a quality game. My early years in poinsettia growing, there was always multiple quality tiers. There was floral, double A grade, A grade, A minus, B. And product was priced and sold based on the quality of the poinsettia that you produced. That mindset has evolved to retail acceptable quality, and that retail acceptable quality is defined specifically by the product and the retailer and the window that it's produced. That has created this idea of a commodity, and, and, and the, the, the Black Friday uh, promo poinsettia, the loss leader by retailers, um, is leads that charge, I think, also to, to a lesser extent, not that it's a, a super cheap product, but the fact that it's being thrown out there in mass and 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 uh, is this very large format like at the at the, the warehouse so we basically kind of genericized what the poinsettia was it used to be valued by grade by quality but again i think that's true of a lot of floral products but i do see some 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 positive movement in discussions with retailers in the sense that retailers want to be able to make profits on poinsettias versus uh, lost leader. Um, I don't think the promo will go away, but I think it'll be de-emphasized. I think the number of units that will be going through will be reduced. And I think also you will see, the best way to describe it was one uh, merchant said to me is, when you go to a large store on Black Friday to buy that big screen TV, that is not the only TV that's for sale in the store at the time. We have our full line of television for sale. We have one display with 10 of these super cheap TVs. But when we sell poinsettias as a loss leader, that's the poinsettia that you see in the store. That's almost the only poinsettia that you see in the store. 
we need to change that mindset. We still have the Lost Leader promo, but we want to have the quality poinsettia products and the different sizes, the larger pots, the more, um, you know, uh, uh, better container drop-ins, et cetera, better genetics um, available at that same time. So I feel that there is the opportunity to do that. The other trend that I see uh, or, or discussion that I see happening a lot in, in retailers is the desire to have products that is very fresh for delivery in December. Historically, we have not been able to find good fresh poinsettias at retail in, in uh, the weekends between 50, 50 and 51 and then in the week 51 and beyond. Retailers are now asking for deliveries of fresh uh, uh appropriately produced or, or varieties that are uh, timed appropriately. So fresh points out of deliveries um, in those later weeks, 50-51. These are positive trends. And, and I think they are helping to, to move us away from the commodity. My fear is that we, have, we sell a lot of volume. Uh, a lot of units are sold under these promos. And are we going to lose the number of points that is produced um, based on shifting sort of their role in the market. I don't know, but I do see it moving, starting to move away from the commodity. And that's good. You know, I, I think that we'll, we will have to keep a close eye on the economics, like you said. I mean, if, if the, the value goes up, the, the number of units or the value and quality go up, the number of units might go down, but we also might see the market expand. So I think that yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that, that, that the folks who crunch the numbers are going to keep a, a close eye on. I think you made a, a really good point about that, that Black Friday sale of having no option in, in our category besides that loss leader. And you're right, they would never do that with a TV or a, a, you know, a vacuum cleaner or whatever, whatever that, that hot item is. So um, I think that that's a really good point. And the comment that retailers want to make profits on poinsettia is that I think we just all need to keep in our heads that it's, you know, it, it could could be a loss leader, but it's also, you know, every retailer wants to make profits. So um, it Absolutely. sounds like there are there are a lot of good opportunities, um, you know, and I know that you and I have talked in the past about um, the fact that, that we would like to get the upper hand over over a bottle of wine when it comes to a, a holiday party gift. And, you know, it's tough to do that with a low quality, you know, really cheap poinsettia. So. No, that's that's a very good point, and and there's a large grocery retailer that I've I've been talking uh, with over the past couple of years, and that is exactly what they want to do. They want to have a reasonable size display in the grocery retail um, of a of a product that's presented in in the you know a more upscale wrap or drop in uh, maybe an upscale sleeve, but something that would allow it to be a grab and go gift as you are on your way to visit your neighbors for their Christmas dinner. You can swing by your ex-brand grocery store and grab one of these guys off, ready to go. Literally walk up to the till, scan it, and drive to your neighbor's house and deliver them a very uh, 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 nice but still cost-effective gift. And I, I think th that is something that, that I know the retailers would want to do. They want to be able to get back into that into that market. Right now, we've relegated to, I think, promotional and decoration, and we've kind of lost that gift market. I think we need to get it back. I completely agree. So let's do one more question on on um, sort of the market and retail, and then then we'll dive into uh, production and some production tips for you know maybe ten minutes or so. Let's talk a little bit about Europe because I know that 
Um, Europe does uh, drive a lot of the trends and market trends related to poinsettias. So how does the European market differ from the North American market? How does how where's the similarities lie um, when it comes to consumer demand from a variety standpoint or size or uh, profile standpoint? Well, I would say um, the taste for red is similar in Europe. Uh, percentage of reds are, are pretty similar. I think the tastes for reds are a bit different. Europeans, uh, North Americans tend to really love dark reds. Europeans like bright reds. So, um, so varieties that are, are uh, very popular in Europe tend to be brighter red, where some of the varieties that are very popular in North America are darker red. So that's a bit of a difference. When it comes to the size of containers, uh, their, their standard size would be more of like a five inch, five and a half inch poinsettia. It is a, a smaller version of a six inch, 15 centimeter pot, typically 12 inches or so tall. But one of the big differences is that they are typically marketed um, in a flat without a pot cover and they're not even sleeved. So they're arrived at retail in a flat and then they're usually sold in proximity to some kind of drop in container to drop into um, some other way to dress it up. So whereas we typically bring products to market with a pot cover and a sleeve, they're bringing the product to market as we stay, say naked. So they're delivering a poinsettia in the pot and then selling the, the, the packaging along with it or the, the, the drop-ins or whatever you, however you want to call them uh, next to it. Uh, we also see a little bit of evolution uh, in other novel uh, forms. They, they do small trees and pyramids more uh, little, little different shape points that is than we do, but again, it's still niche. But I think part of that is the fact that so much more of the consumption of poinsettias and plants in that in, in general in Europe are done at at uh, grower retailers or higher end garden center type uh, settings than than the mass market. And those settings are more uh, comfortable with these different shapes and forms. And again, as I alluded to earlier, uh, mini poinsettias as as a form in Europe has gained a lot of ground and, and it's very interesting is when you, you, you look at what they're doing with the minis and a lot of times they're they're on uh, on a rack on a this little display rack near the retail often sold on a rack with all kinds of cute little drop-in things santa boots and what have you very much uh you know you got your kid in in the shopping cart and you're at the till and you buy your kid a a, a little poinsettia and a drop-in pot and there's the poinsettia so that that sort of uh, taking the opportunity to create that impulse at the at the at the till sale, that you know we see happen with so many other products in North America, we see that being done with floral products in Europe, and the mini poinsettia as a poinsettia is is kind of leading that uh, that role. So that's some of the the sort of the main differences between Europe and North America. Excellent, thank you for that. So we got about ten minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about points poinsettia production because i know you have uh, extensive production background and i would imagine with some of the new genetics coming to market that there are there is a learning curve in, in production um i don't i don't hear the question too much but i I'm, i know that you travel and talk to a lot of growers so how has poinsettia production changed in the past 10 years or so are the new genetics coming to market better are they harder to grow easier to grow and uh i guess why well yeah absolutely the 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 poinsettia production has changed a lot in the past 10 years uh, uh, without question, and the genetics are the biggest part of that. Um, probably the first significant evolution was what we call the dark green leaf poinsettia. 
it's a darker colored foliage. It also tends to have stronger stems and oftentimes more controlled growth. Little uh, typically come with better root systems and a better utilization of nutrition. Um, the colors are, are more intense. So that was sort of one of the first evolutions. Coming along with it at the same time was enhanced branching. Probably one of the, the, the biggest attributes from a production perspective that has come out in the last maybe seven or eight years is the good branching characteristics of the breeding that is coming. And the, 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 the not in, in the past, we've evolved to production techniques, the, the Florel sandwich, basically of applying Florel before and after the pinch to enhance the branching, is becoming less important with a lot of the new genetics that are, that are free branching. Other attributes is better root systems, uh, root systems that are more tolerant to salt and, and stressful conditions, which effectively mean they're going to uh, have less likelihood to have pythium uh, problems late in the season. But with that also has come a change in our production. These varieties, these strong root systems, they need to continue to be fed. These poinsettias don't need a lot of feed in the end, but they need to be fed to the end. Um, other characteristics uh, that have come is, is uh, significantly uh, better post-harvest. Uh, the poinsettias are significantly better than they were in the past as far as their performance. But what has also come with this is earliness. Um, a lot of hyper-early genetics and very early genetics, week 45, week 46 genetics, which are, I think, you know, appropriate for that market window, but aren't appropriate. They aren't going to look good. If the consumer buys that points out in week 46, it is not most likely that variety is not going to hold up and perform well up through Christmas. So finding the balancing act uh, uh, between earliness and post-harvest is, is a big challenge. And we're, we're starting to see some varieties come in that achieve that. But in uh, one of the weaknesses in the past was a lot of these very early flowering genetics that filled this retail niche um, did not have the post-harvest. So we are getting there. And that would see that's kind of one of the new fronts is, is uh, earliness and good post-harvest. That's, that's a, kind of a big issue. Obviously, the, the, the evolution of novelty colors, um, you know, getting, a, getting better uh, glitter types or jingle types um, and then beyond and all these different patterns beyond uh, has been has been innovative. Uh, the interspecific Prinsettia type is, is very innovative. But again, within the core of the poinsettias, if you look at red poinsettia, what's the big difference? It's been related to the better branching, appropriate vigor, uh, timed specifically to the window that you want to sell the crop in attributes of these different varieties, which make poinsettia uh, production very, very precise and more precise than we were able to do in the past. Okay, well, that's, that's I mean, you co you covered a lot there from the better roots, utilization of nutrition, branching, um, post-harvest, the timing. So, I mean, it's great to hear that, that this is not a part of the industry that's sort of standing still or resting, that it's a constant technological upgrade over and over. I think that yeah. um, for reasons yeah. to solve problems, right? I mean, that that's really the goal. Absolutely. I have to say, you know, I, I work with a lot of crops, but um, in the poinsettia world, because 
we're, we're, we're pretty narrow, you know, we have red and then <laughs> white pink and novelties. Um, the, 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 the genetic, uh, battle over the reds is great because what it's doing is, is everybody is raising the bar on the quality. It's the genetically, we have products that could help evolve the, 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 its role in the retail and in the, in the eyes of the consumer. The genetics are there and are getting better and better every year. So, yeah, it, it's one of those unique situations where you are seeing serious improvements in what the genetics are bringing. Any marketplace that isn't evolving or growing as fast uh, or growing at all, frankly. So we have the genetics to make the market better. That's the good news. We just have to figure out how to sell more. <laughs> That's excellent. So I guess, um, you know, as we wind down here, let's uh, let's give the listeners something to really, uh, really take home um, at the end of this. Can you share, you know, a couple new production or cultural tips to help growers produce their best poinsettia crop ever for, uh, right. for, for yeah. the holidays this year? Any tricks of the trade you want to share? Yeah, first thing is, let's, uh, just real quick one, is as, as we've seen this across all floriculture, bedding plant production as well, is I call it phosphobia. It's the fear of using uh, too much phosphorus. And what has happened with poinsettia is poinsettia tissue, um, uh, new growth, the, the growing tips are very, very vulnerable to phosphorus. And so if you're feeding over the top, that phosphorus gets on the tip. If you don't rinse it off, it will cause the distortion and damage. So people are afraid of phosphorus and poinsettias. As a result, I see consistent phosphorus deficiencies on poinsettias, especially coming out of uh, propagation in the early stages. Once you get on drip tape, tend to, people tend to not worry about it. They can, or on drippers, uh, uh, they're watering under the canopy. You'll get, they'll start using more phosphorus in the feed. So don't be afraid of phosphorus. Just follow the rules. If you get it over top of the plant, rinse it off. But the lack of phosphorus will show mostly as stunting, possibly reddening tips, and then some intervenal blotches in the lower leaves. But the bottom line is they just don't grow. They don't grow a lot of roots. So phosphobia is a big biggie. The other the other uh, aspect I would say is, is, is we've seen the branching characteristics improve dramatically on poinsettias and the root systems get stronger. Is the old mindset of that you want to plant that poinsettia, let the roots reach the side of the pot and all the way down to the bottom and take a good, hard, snap, hard pinch. Those days are long gone. We don't want to do that. Most modern poinsettia varieties want to be pinched significantly earlier. We recommend pinching on anywhere from day 10 to day 14. Uh, We don't necessarily want to see the poinsettia rooted to the edge of the pot, certainly not in a big pot. We want to see active root growth so that we know that that liner is moving and growing, and then you get the pinch on. Also, you pinch to one more than you want on that stem. If you want six bracts pinched to seven, you want five bracts pinched to six. You don't need to pinch higher than that because too many bracts cause problems. So the other the other thing is, is as we've evolved uh, out of this phosphobia, we've gone very calcium crazed and we put a lot of calcium in poinsettias that's great but what can happen is as the ph increases and you continue to drive calcium one of the common things we see now in this dark leaf variety is we start to see magnesium deficiencies not necessarily because there's no magnesium in the feed but because you're putting so much calcium in the feed and it's driving the ph up so if your ph is climbing watch out for magnesium deficiencies 
it can be addressed both using uh, chelated magnesium sprays or by simply just managing your nutrition to keep that pH down below 6.5. Those are sort of tips for the modern poinsettia. Oh, those are excellent. Very actionable, very modern and high tech. I love it. I think that the listeners are really going to appreciate that. And I will make sure to call all of those out in the show notes. So Gary, what else do we need to cover? I mean, what, what have we missed? Um, we got a couple minutes left. Believe it or not, we're, we're right on time. Two talkers stayed on schedule. But do you have any you have any cool ideas to share before we wrap up or anything that, that we really need to cover that the listeners need to hear about, about uh, this crop before we call it a day? Well, bottom line, the one thing I, I just, just want to reemphasize that this is a, a, a crop that really is performing well, that we have evolved genetically and, and, and we've learned production techniques, that it is underutilized. Um, I think we as an industry, retailers included, need to find a way to sell more poinsettias because we have the products that can really, really provide a great performance for the consumer today if we do our jobs right. So I just don't want to see us. Uh, my fear is that, that it's a difficult crop. It can be a challenging crop to grow. It's a long-term crop. It requires you know a fair amount of energy to produce. And we've seen the, the, the producers of poinsettias consolidate down Less guys producing, the ones that are producing are producing more of it. I would like to see more people break poinsettias. I would like to see more people try to drive poinsettia sales through different outlets. And I would like to see us extend the poinsettia market into into December where it should be. Ah. Those are excellent, uh, excellent pieces of advice, and um, sounds like a little bit of your mission. So um, it, it, it is, like it is, it is, a, it is a mission, Bill. Without question, it's it's a crop I've grown uh, pretty much my entire professional career. I've been involved with poinsettias, and um, it's challenging. I think it's it, it makes me it makes a lot of growers better growers, um, but also you know when they get done right, they're absolutely gorgeous, and they can provide. Uh, some real beauty out into the in the consumer's eyes awesome so how how can listeners reach you um maybe share a couple resources i can put links in the show notes but i know that selecta has some resources online um you know how, how can how can listeners reach out to you if they have specific questions and um anything specific on the selecta website that that you want to call out for uh resources well, we do, we do have resources in the catalog and on the website. We have good culture in our catalog at Selecta. Um, the back part of the catalog is, is, is always full of culture. Um, I'm available by email, gbulmer at ballhort.com. Um, we have some reference material on our, uh, on our website, uh, links to, to uh, educational material. I have... Any of the, the, the presentations that I've done um, are, are, are available from me. We have a, a series of webinars we did last year, Jason Twaddell and myself, which are uh, archived um, at, uh, I believe, at uh, Grower Talks. So there's multiple ways to reach a hold of me, but just shoot me an email. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If you got any uh, challenges or you need any help, that's my job. So I'd be glad to, to reach out to anybody. 
Excellent. And I will put links um, to the website, to the educational materials. Um, I will find uh, the link to the webinar series um, with you and Jason, who is also a past STEM guest. So uh, you will recognize Jason's voice when you uh, log into that webinar. And uh, Gary, hey, thank you so much. That was a whirlwind, but you know, Gary's a poinsettia expert and knows this market inside and out. We were so lucky to have him as a guest. I know I learned a ton about poinsettias. I'm sure you did as well. Be sure to look at the show notes for these resources and much more. And I think that you know, we can all learn a little bit from Gary's mission and all work together to raise the value of this awesome holiday crop that means so much to so many people. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And check out the show notes for links to even more content related to this episode, including tons of poinsettia culture and product guides from Select the One. Let's end this episode with a quote from chef Jose Andres about tradition that seems very relevant when we consider the role poinsettias play in our industry. The modernity of yesterday is the tradition of today, and the modernity of today will be tradition tomorrow. <laughs>